Praise God. That's a joy. It'd be a bit of a worry if we had less faces. So, great. Uh, for those of you who weren't here last night, um, I, I do encourage you to get the CD, uh, just, just catch up. Uh, because what I'm doing is I'm, I'm just doing a, a, a combined series which prepares you uh, as, as leaders to understand the processes which um, bring us into line with what Jesus required uh, when he left this earth. And so we read out of Matthew 28, uh, 18 last night, uh, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. Um, in, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you till the end of the age. So Jesus' last will for his, his church, his body, was that they would get into a position where they functionally were discipling beyond just their local environment. They were discipling into other people, ethnos, other people groups. Um, we need to be breaking beyond our own culture, our own, our own um, realm of influence, let's call it. Uh, so we need to be breaking out beyond just church life. And what the church has become is really not what Jesus intended. And you can just see that by the very first word that he uses, go. Um, the church stays today. It does not, as a whole, um, break barriers, does not push the, 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 the limits of where they've stayed in that function for years. The church on the whole is happy to settle down and just continue to go Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, whatever else it is, and uh, that's how we live. Um, very seldom is there a planned development process for those in the body of Christ. In other words, when they come in, there, there is what's discipleship. We spoke about that yesterday. How do you disciple a person? And discipleship requires relationship. It requires association. And it has four simple steps. Tell me what those steps are, please. Don't look at your notes. Just tell me what those steps are. Try. Information. Demonstration. Demonstration. Impartation. Impartation. Application. Application. Well done. Very, very well done. Information. I'll tell you how it works. Demonstration. I'll show you how it works. Impartation. I'll give you the power to do it application, now you do it and I'll correct you. Um, that process is not in the church. In the church, uh, we were discussing yesterday, Pastor and myself, that uh, there is very little that has ever been taught to us as to how to actually do that. The leadership is not taught how to disciple anymore. They are, not, they are taught a theology. They are taught to understand the, the basic uh, doctrines of the Bible. They are not taught um, how to functionally bring people to maturity. And we saw what Paul said last night in Colossians 1, verse 27 following. He said, I make it my aim to present each person complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, to this end, I labor with all the energy that the Holy Spirit gives me. And so when, when you really understand what the Bible is going for, we, we could never again live like we live as a church. 
we, we literally need to take up the challenge. And uh, I, I encourage you to do that as a church. Be radical. Break out of being average. Stop, stop, if you're in this place, stop expecting it to be the same. Stop being predictable. You know, break boundaries, break <laughs> barriers. Get out there. Because God's going to be with you. You're going you're to see God do some great things. And even after you've broken barriers, break more. Just keep growing in your faith. Keep attempting great things. It's one Chronicle says, I think it's chapter 16, says, The eyes of the Lord go to and fro across the earth, seeking someone that he can make himself strong on behalf of. He's looking for a hero. He's looking for a person that is not scared. He's looking for a person that will believe him and, and do the, the impossible. You, you know, chase after something that is beyond most churches' ability to comprehend. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, we all know it. Exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine, according to the power that works within us. We're supposed to, as a church, as church leaders, be a model of the power of God in our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says we need to be a model in at least six things. In our speech, in our faith, in our spirit, in our conduct. Our conduct. We've, in our love, we've got, to, we've got to emulate a lifestyle um, that brings glory to God. You and I need to be people that, that know how to flow with the Spirit, know how to move in the, in, in, in the prophetic, know how to move in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just worried. I don't want to sit down until I've got it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so Jesus' command to us was to go out. Create disciples. Develop a discipleship process in your church where you don't just have someone putting into you, but you are, are, are a contemporary of another person. You share together like you are now, and you find somebody who you can put into. Those are the three relational uh, connections you should have in the church. Uh, you should always be teaching what you're learning. So when, when, we, when you finish tonight, the best way you're ever going to remember what I taught you is to go and teach somebody else. Find one of the leaders that weren't here, that you're friends with, and teach them. Tell them, this is, these are the points he taught. And that way it becomes your material. And you're then able to, 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 to take that person, if they're young enough, and start to put them through a process of discipleship. Then we spoke about the, 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 the process God showed me of how do we equip people. And I, I, I've got a series that I developed um, about 25 years ago called Equip. And Equip is made up of four parts. Uh, you, you, you can remember, won't you? They, what are the four Gs? Grounded in truth. Growing in love, growing, grounded in truth, growing in love, gifted for service, geared for impact. Well done, guys. So, so we, we put people through a process of giving them roots. We ground people. Uh, it's vital that you all are on the same page. You all, need, <laughs> you all need to be able to have the word in your heart as leaders. You don't need to have the Bible. You need to have the Word in you. So when somebody comes and says, listen, um, I see the Bible speaks about being baptized. 
um, what does that mean? And you're able to take the scriptures and, and dish out three, four scriptures that tell them what baptism is all about. So when I do Father's House with the church, um, I take all the, lead, the up-and-coming leadership and the leadership that's there if they want to learn, and then I, I teach them, uh, well, I challenge them on specific scriptures. So I ask them to give me three scriptures. And I wonder if you could raise your hand if you can do it. Three scriptures on um, baptism in the Holy Spirit that you, you know you should be able to give to somebody so they can, they can do it. They can get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Is, can anybody give me three scriptures that's offhand? Okay, let's try baptism in water. Okay, let's try what happens at salvation. Okay, see my point? Uh, and that's not because you've not been well taught. That is what it's like in every church. We are not taught a system of getting people to be outstanding in the Word. So leaders want to lead, but they can't. Because they don't know what exactly we're supposed to do. And the end of it is simply this, frustration. Because you, you just don't have the tools Thank God tonight we're getting some tools, amen? <laughs> Thank you for the amens. I've made it my aim to get to understand all the processes that bring us into leadership ability. I've made it a point of making it as simple as possible so that even the, the most uh, young, ungrounded a leader can understand what I'm saying and can live it out. And so tonight I want, I want to go a little further. So we've spoken about the need for discipleship. We've spoken about the process of equipping a person to become mature. Now I want to talk about you as an individual. I want to talk to you about what happens, how do you come to know what God has called you to be? What, what is the process we can follow that helps us to know what God has called us to be? I've, I've developed a course. Um, Casey Sabella has got it. You can get a hold of it if you want, my bud. But I've developed a course, a course called Finding Your Life Gift and, or Identifying Your Life Gift. Call it what you like. But it's, it's seven steps on identifying what your life gift is. Because at the end of the day, we want to, we want to be what God's called us to be, make uh, what he's made us to accomplish. We, we want to flow in that. We can't flow in something that's not ours. I've tried to copy other preachers. I've tried to do what other guys do. It doesn't work. I am who I am. I've got to, I've got to figure out my calling. I started out as a part of a denomination, and the denomination told me straight, you're going to be a pastor. Well, well, there's more than just a pastor in the Bible, you know. I mean, there's uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers, apostles, prophets. Uh, but because the, the, the structure today tells us we're going, to call, we're going to be a pastor, so that's what we do. And, and we close off every other opportunity that there is. I found out that I'm a pathetic pastor. I'm, I mean, can you imagine being under me the, uh, when, when you're going through a tough time in life? I, I'm, I, <laughs> I, I was in the war for eight years, guys. Apart from my personality, I'm, I'm a military man. 
And to me, you know, there's not a, there's not a question about giving up. And I, I cannot stand um, whining. <laughs> you know, when a person whines, I, <laughs> when a person whines, I ask them if they'd like a bit of cheese with it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's too much for me. I, I found I have no compassion for people who do not mean business with God. In fact, I'm irritated immediately. It's like you're stealing from me. I'm giving you my time and you don't care. So you'll let me ramble on, make, falling asleep while I'm preaching and, you know, <laughs> take no, 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 no notice of what I'm saying. Well, that, I think that's rude. I think that's disrespectful. And so, you know, I'll come at that. I, I really don't think Christians have to be soft and flabby. I, I think what we're missing in the church is some solid discipline. Like, just pull yourself towards yourself and get a grip of yourself. You know what I mean? Like, sort yourself out, man. You've grown up your whole life just getting whatever you want. Cut it out. You see, see how I think? I, I mean, I'm already getting excited because, I, <laughs> and then you run a church. And man, they come to church if they feel like it. I don't know if it's what it's like in America. But if the weather changes and it's a great day to go and be on the beach, they're gone, man. You know, church is a secondary thing. It's not a priority. And I'm talking about my leaders. I'm not talking about the guys who are, you know, who just started out. It snows too much. What do you guys do? Uh, look out the window. Oh, no. Or are you the type of people that just, you know what? I've made a commitment and I stick to what I'm doing. You're always going to see me here. I'm always going to be here. Nothing's going to move. So, so, you, you can only work. You see, now you get into the wrong job. I'm a pastor. And I'm telling you, for years, people, people were, 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 they were under great trauma with me. You understand? I mean, when I invited you, I told you last night, I invite you for a cup of tea. That's it, boy. We're sitting down, and we're going we're gonna to talk through some issues. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you're the financial director of the biggest company in the world. I'm going to bite you. If you, if you get stupid with me, I'm going to come at you. you. You can see I just don't have the grace, right? <laughs> so praise God when I, I had to leave the ministry. Nine, 2005. My marriage fell apart. Um, it, it's not important how it happened. Um, just, I, I can tell you I was not disqualified, but my marriage fell apart and I couldn't get a restoration going. And so I stepped out of the ministry. That was it. I just, I, I believe you can't stand in the pulpit while you're going through a divorce. I don't think it's the right thing. So I got out of the ministry. So now what do I do? I mean, I've been doing this for 30-something years or whatever. So, you know, now what? And by, by default, by mistake, I start doing what I do well, which is mentoring people who mean business. A guy came to me and he said to me, um, I heard you on the radio because I, I had to speak on the radio for something. It was booked for, for months. So I got on the radio. He said, I heard you on the radio and I'm asking you, please, would you mentor me? So I, I mean, this, is, this is a serious leader guy. So I said, no. He says, what will it take for you to mentor me? I said, 
If you can find 35 people, well, I knew he couldn't do that. If you can find 35 people who would like to be mentored by me, I might consider it. He said, you got a deal. Phoned me back the next week. He said, I've got 35 people. They're they ready to meet you. What day can you meet us? So I got up, and it's like you. It was a group like you. I just got up and said, I don't need you. You need me. So I'm only going to do this if there's 100% commitment to what I'm proposing. I'm proposing that we will meet once a week. If you miss once, don't come back. I don't want to see you. If you do not phone me before the meeting to tell me why you can't make it, don't come back to, to me. It's the best thing I've ever done because they immediately took a position, this is not a game. And there I got an opportunity to do what I do best. And in two years, I mentored and equipped those 35 people. Every single one of them today holds key positions and highly influential in the body of Christ. They can minister in any setting. They're still my very best friends. So I, I, I want to say to you, until we, we find out who we are, until we have a process to find out who we are, uh, there's going to be a problem. And I can't do that all tonight. I'm just going to touch on it tonight and then give you um, the rest of what I want to say. You find out who you are, number one, by your passion. If, if, you, if you had, now, now please throw away all your church models, okay? I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm not talking about being an elder. I'm not talking about being a deacon. I'm not talking about being a Sunday school teacher. I'm not talking about being a worship leader. I'm not talking about being in the choir. I'm talking about if you can do anything for Jesus, if you could serve Jesus in any way, in a creative moment, think about it. Who would you like to deal with? And what would you like to do for them? So for me, it's easy. I want to deal with passionate people who mean business. What do I want to do with them? I want to teach them how to become mature and effective. That's me. That's my calling. You can call it what you like. Call it a prophet, apostle, uh, pastor, teacher, evangelist. I don't care what you call me. But that's what I do. What is it that you would do? What is, what is it that burns in your heart? I'd like two or three of you to just put up your hand the moment you've uncovered something. Yes, ma'am. Right, right. So that would be one of your gifts, right, which would be a giver. So, so the gift of giving in Romans chapter 12 is a part of what you are. And so to understand that fully, um, if you did some homework, you look into the gift of giving, you find out what is possible in the Bible. Barnabas had a, had a gift of giving. Barnabas was like that. He was a, this guy that kept creating opportunities for other people. So we call it a Barnabas spirit. It's, it's a fantastic thing. It's, it's a selfless thing. You don't need to be noticed. You just want to see other people succeed. You want to see other people blessed. I understand exactly. That's a gift of giving. And so that, that gift, um, if, if you take it out of the church, you can design something which is unique. You can, who says you can't start something? If you've been around the Lord long enough, you know enough, 
you can start something which is, 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 is really innovative, creative, and uh, touches the needs of hundreds of people. You can do it across uh, uh, cultural lines. You, I mean, anything. You, could, you can focus on jails if you wanted to. You could do anything. Second, anybody else? Who, who feels they know what they, they would like to do? The group they'd like to go to or the actual... Yes, Mike. Missions, that's it. it. There's nothing else in there that. Taking people with me on mission trips so they can come back. Right. So an exhorter, so an exhorter as well. Okay. One more. Yes, ma'am. Um, I want to help um, girls who've been um, trafficked. Okay. Okay. And, and uh, in what way do you want to get involved with uh, actually going overseas? Or do um, no, we're in, in Connecticut in our own community. Okay. Okay, already doing that? Yeah. That's great. Excellent. Well, I'm going to throw something out at you. I want to show you what's possible. How many of you would like to be involved in teaching people to understand the word better? How many of you have a heart for teaching? Two, three, four, five. Okay. Now, what I've noticed is in, a ch in churches, there are these groups of people that have the same passion. So instead of us running a, a home group that just gathers uh, people of, of the same sort of age or whatever you're doing, what about us thinking about getting together the teachers? and getting an outstanding teacher to train them how to uh, be the most effective in their teaching gift. For instance, how many of you are interested in the poor? You love, you love to serve the poor? One, two. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. Because each, each church has its own uh, sort, of, sort of makeup. How many of you are, are keen to see people um, set free? You, you, you like the concept of, of people being brought out of bondage, brokenness, whatever. Right, right. That's a big one again. So when you, when you start to analyze what are the possibilities out there, for instance, prison, most of us don't even think of a prison ministry. But man, going into prison is such an exciting thing. I mean, not staying there, you know, teaching. <laughs> going into prison is an exciting thing. Because you've got a captive, <laughs> I'm not trying to be clever, you've got a captive audience, right? And these guys are going to listen to you. And they come because they want to. They don't come because they have to. And as, you, as we've seen over the years, the fruit from that is incredible. So when they get out, they are trained in, in Christ to live a clean life, a godly life. So, so check these things out in your, your, your church to see what sort of uh, heart you have? What is the, the passion that's common in your church? But once you've identified who you are, the, the thing that confirms it, and this is, this is going to take a bit of time because I want to I emphasize this in your church, is the whole issue of getting prophetic direction. You, your calling is, is identified by prophecy. I want, you to, I want you to listen to me for a little bit here because I, I, I want to get some um, doctrine into you about 
this whole thing of prophecy. When the day of Pentecost came, Acts chapter 2, um, spirit falls, tongues, and fire, wind, the whole thing. They start speaking in tongues of, of the people in the area. And Peter stands up and starts to speak. Now that already is a miracle because Peter was the one who always messed it up when he spoke. You know, Peter was the guy, if, if in doubt, speak, you know. So when the Lord said, you guys, you're, you're going to deny me, he says, all of them will deny you, but I won't. You know, he, he always had something to say. Uh, in the one place it says, Peter answered and said, and Jesus hadn't asked the question. In other words, Peter just mouths it. But on the day of Pentecost, please listen to this, the, the spirit, instead of his head, the spirit got a hold of his tongue. The point of Pentecost is that your tongue becomes connected to the Holy Ghost. So people say, it's, you've got to speak in tongues and all that. Well, I understand that. But watch what he says. When he stands up, he says, these are not drunk as you suppose, verse 17. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will what? Prophesy. So the first thing he says is going to be a result of Pentecost is prophecy. Then he says your, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, whatever that is. Whatever the young men thing is, I do that. Okay? Then, the, 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 then your men servants and maid servants will prophesy. So twice in this section he talks about prophecy as the outworking of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus told us what it was too. He says, you'll receive power after the Spirit's come upon you, Acts 1 verse 8. And you will be my witnesses in Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. That means it's going to go carry on happening until the earth is touched. It's not going to stop when the first century Christians. There's no cessationism. So prophecy, when you start to look into it, you start to find out that it is spoken of throughout the New Testament as a critical issue. We spoke about it last night, 1 Timothy 4.14, where Paul says to uh, Timothy, he says, stir up the gift that is in you, that was given to you. Stir up the gift that is where? In you, that was given to you. How? By the laying on of hands of the presbytery through prophecy. Prophecy is the, 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 the biblical um, medium by which gifts are switched on. So God will prophesy to you personally. You will feel God speak to you. And I, I'm sure everybody in this room has felt God speak to them about what he wants them to do. He's given them a heart, a passion. When you get into the area where you, your passion is, you're moved. And prophecy is the thing that points it out and then opens the door for you to function in that for, for the first time in your life. And so the church today doesn't do that anymore. We don't have presbytery that can prophesy. Paul, I mean, it's so strong. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, fight the good warfare with the prophecies spoken over you. 
In other words, if you want to overcome the enemy, hold on to those promises, those, those prophetic words that God told you, who you're going to be. Don't give up. Press in for what you're going to be. And so prophecy in the church is critical. It is critical that you receive prophetic word as to what God's called you. And it's by two or three witnesses. And it needs all directional prophecy needs to come through the eldership. All directional prophecy should come. I don't believe in, in prophets floating in, telling people they're going to end up in Burma or China or whatever, and then they disappear. And it's not the calling. It's not what God's called them to be. There's no confirmation, and people mess up their lives. I've watched guys come in and say, you're the next pastor. Man, it causes such a lot of trouble in the church. You know, because it's not being checked by leadership. That's what protocol does. You check before you, you receive a word that is directional. But let's say the word has been checked and it's confirmed by you in your own heart. You feel a witness. Yes, that's right. I remember when I got walked up to somebody walked up to me and said, you have an embryonic apostolic ministry. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I don't know what an apostle was. And as I, as I studied the apostolic uh, uh, patterns of the of book of Acts, I could see my desire was exactly the same as what Paul was doing. I wanted to go from church to church. I wanted to help leaders. I wanted to, I wanted to help people break through. I wanted to help people become grounded and s strong and stable. Even though I knew nothing, I wanted that as, as a lifestyle. And so it brought a confirmation to what uh, was said. And then uh, one after the other of the visiting prophetic guys would, would say it again and again. And so for your own life, it's vital that, that you get into an environment in this church. I don't know what the church does. Please, I don't want to cause trouble. But I just want to say it'll be really good to get the prophetic flowing. It'll be really good to get your, your, your own people who have prophetic gifts to start firing how many of you have received prophecies in this room? One, two, three, four, five, six. Never received a prophecy. I okay, who's received an external prophecy? In other words, from another person, not to your own heart. But Michael, you have, you have, you have. Okay, so an external prophecy means somebody has spoken to you and brought, and I'm talking about a prophecy not that is a, what we call, there's two types of prof prophecies. There's inspirational prophecy and there's revelational prophecy. I'm talking about revelational prophecy, telling you what you never knew. Inspirational prophecy is made up of 1 Corinthians 14.3, which is edification, exhortation, and comfort. Those who prophesy do it for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so it's really important that within the church environment, we are hearing from God. No matter which way you cut it, ladies and gentlemen, the key to mature Christianity, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, the mature sons of God are led by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit are the mature sons of God. And so... The key to us walking in God is knowing what God is saying. It's knowing what God is calling us to do. It's knowing the day by day what is the voice of the Lord to us. 
I talk about the apostolic adventure. What I teach on the apostolic adventure in, in Africa is, and in, in Thailand is I teach you how to hear God in the most simple way. Most people find it very difficult to hear God. I, I tell you, it's so simple to hear God. It's three S's. Sight, sound, sense. That's it. I can't teach you on it now. Another time. But I'm telling you, we, we should be able to hear God. And we do hear God. Actually, we don't hear God. God communicates with us. I'm frustrated. Because <laughs> I want to do so much. I, I, I want to help you understand how... Well, look, I'm just going to go for it. So... <laughs> If we run out of time, we run out of time, okay? Is that okay? Yeah. All right. I, I want to show you how to hear God. God. God does not, when they say God speaks to us, that's incorrect. Because that's only a third of the truth. God communicates in three ways. Sight, sound, sense. So when God communicates to you, he can communicate to you this way. You hear him talking into your mind. You hear, and it interrupts what you were thinking about. It's not in line with what you're thinking about. All of a sudden, you're standing next to somebody. Let's say, I'm saying, what, what's your name, my, my brother? J Jeff? John. John, John, great, we got the same name. I'm just Dutch, that's all. <laughs> John, imagine... Um, me coming into his presence, I, I meet him for the first time, I walk past him, and God says to me, you need to encourage this man. He is facing tremendous opposition. He's got, he's got a load coming at him, and he's not able to, to, to every day is, is too much for him. You need, to be, you need to come alongside and be a friend to him, encourage him, speak prophecy into his life, you know, I can hear that and ignore that and just keep walking. But, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just going to get a peppermint. Is that okay? Otherwise, I'm going to start coughing. I don't want to do that. And, and I'm such a sm smoke. I break them in half so they last longer. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Please give me a peppermint if I run out, all right? <laughs> so... The key to walking in the Lord is picking up what, what does Jeff need at any given time. So, Jeff, I can tell you something about this. God's telling me something about Jeff, okay? I'm hearing something. I don't see it. I don't feel it. But what I started saying that he's been through opposition is really what his whole life has been like. I sense like Jeff has had to fight for everything. John, John, sorry, I caught the first one. Thank you for correcting me. It's horrible being called the wrong name. You call me Jan, I'll be very upset. <laughs> so, so I sense the strength of your leadership uh, qualities. People find shade under you. You're like a tree. And uh, people feel safe around you. Once they know you, they, they feel But you, you're an intimidating being to many people. Your presence, the way you function, the way you walk, the, the way you are, um, causes people never, not to be sure. And in fact, some people betray you and are, are not faithful in uh, their friendship. And I just want to say, God is, 
God has seen your heart and loves you for who you are. There's no need to be different. There's no need to be like everybody else. That's one of the biggest battles you probably have inside is this thing of, I'm just not like everybody else. You know, you're just different. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to him. Why are you crying? I know that. I know that. I know that. I'm playing with you. So, John, you know, I hear the Lord say, I'm pleased with you. And I've got your back. I've got your back. I'm watching you. I've, I'm, not, I'm not far off. I see what you do every day. I see your desire to, to help and to strengthen and to come alongside. But I also know the wounds you've had. And uh, the Lord just says, I'm going to start restoring you again. I'm going to bring back what's been stolen from you. Okay, that's it. Enough. Now, either I've missed it or I've hit it. How are we doing? Out of ten. One out of ten. Accuracy. Two out of ten. Three out of ten. Ten out of ten. Is 100% right? Good. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand, guys. That's the Lord who cares. Isn't that fantastic? God, God cares about us. So, so, you know, you might be sitting looking at me going, how the hell did he get that right? <laughs> I get it right because I made a radical decision many, many years ago that if God talks, I will obey. No matter how stupid I look. And I've looked stupid a lot. That the, the man next to you is your husband, and the lady goes, it's my brother. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like, just really stupid. So I've learned that God speaks. And then God also, what he does is while you're praying for somebody, have you ever prayed for somebody and you, you see a picture? You see a ship, you see uh, whatever. You see a road, you see a mountain. Do you know what I'm talking about, guys? Just raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about, right? While you're praying, there's these pictures that come. And if you don't pay attention, you'll miss it. It's actually the language of the Spirit. God is showing you uh, what He wants to say. So you see a, a pair of running shoes. This last church I was at, I said to, to the one person, I said, I see um, a blue pair of running shoes that have been put away. And God says it's time to take them down again. And the guy just starts to laugh like crazy. I said, what are you laughing at? He said, I do have running shoes that are blue. And I put them away and I said to my wife just yesterday, I'm going to take those shoes out again. And I'm going to start to run again. I said, and God is trying to say to you that the shoes represent your walk with him. And it's time to get serious with your walk. It's time to really start to develop yourself. And equip yourself for what lies ahead. Fantastic. But just saw it. And then you sense it. You know, while you're praying for somebody or you're talking to somebody, all of a sudden you sense everything's going to be okay. Like, this might be a problem now, but God's going to fix this. A sense. Okay? Well, let me explain it this way. If you're married, you will, you'll know what I'm talking about. When you first get married, <laughs> let's say you're visiting friends, right? And you talk, and while you're talking, you say what you shouldn't have said. 
anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Um, <laughs> when, when you get out from the, the place, there's going to be lectures. Did you understand? There's going to be a discussion. And you're going to hear what you've done wrong, right? Well, that's in the early years. But now time goes on, and here you are again saying the wrong thing to people you shouldn't have said. And all of a sudden, you look up, and there is a look in, in the face. You know what I mean? And you, they don't even have to say anything. It's just like, we'll talk about this later. So, so now, you don't even have to hear you've done wrong. You can see you've done wrong. It's still valid communication. Well, it's not valid. It's, it's communication. And then the last one is you're sitting now years and years later, and you blow it again. You go and say the stupidest thing to the wrong people. And you suddenly feel this cold chill behind you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like are aware your partner is behind you, and you can feel the, the impact of what they would like to say to you. <laughs> Praise God, you're all normal like me. <laughs> so God is like that. God will talk to us, God will give us a picture, or God will give us a sense. And if you learn to pay attention to each one, you'll find God starting to speak to you. Write down. Now, God never gives you the full story. That's why we miss it. So when God speaks to us or shows us, it's always just the first part. So when he speaks, he doesn't give you a full story. Uh, a, a document, he gives you a phrase. He might give you a word. He might give you a sentence. But that's about it. When, when he, he shows you something, it could be a picture or it could be a short video clip. Okay? And the third uh, way that he, he will communicate, of course, is through feelings. You get this incredible sense of God communicating everything's going to be okay, or this is a dangerous thing. It's like discerning of spirits. Remember I spoke to you last night, Melissa, about the discerning of spirits. So the thing to do then is once you get the first part, is then to do what I call unpacking. You unpack. So you ask the question. Let's, say we, let's go back to the shoes. Why, why shoes, Lord? Or do they represent something? Or are they actual shoes? No, they represent something. What, what do the shoes mean? It's time for the man to, to run again. He, he, put, he put those shoes up. In fact, what he's done is he's not taken his run seriously. And it's time for him to take up what, where he left off and really go for it now. And so on. So you unpack, you asking the question, why, when, where, how? If you will do that with each of those feelings, sight, sound, I'm telling you, God will start to use you in an incredible way. And you'll start to find that you know what to do. And so your gift becomes evident through that. Because God speaks to you according to the gifts you've got. Do you understand? So, so, so God's not going to ask you to do what you can't do. He's going to tell you I, want you, to, I want you to give to this person. And for you to give accurately, you've got to hear God. 
Otherwise, you'll end up, you know, pouring resources into something that uh, is incorrect. You don't want to do that. As a leadership, you want to be able to come into church on Sunday and hear God for what's going on in the meetings. As soon as you walk in, there's new people. You should be able to go over to the new people, shake their hand. As you shake their hand, God will talk to you. That's how it is. So, you know, you, you walk up to somebody, take their hand. It's Jim, right? I, I shake Jim's hand. The moment I shake his hand as he walks in on Sunday, God says to me, give him $1,000. He didn't say give him $1,000. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you happy. And, and so you know what we do after that, right? As soon as you hear that, you go, get behind me, Satan, right? We, it's like... There's no way, God, I'm going to give this guy $1,000. Then you know it's God who spoke. Because the moment the flesh or the word into your head counters what has just been said, it's a sign that God has already said it. And the problem with most of us is, is um, we don't recognize God just breaking into our lives. So at any given moment, God will tell you something. And if you think about it too long or you double take on it, you won't do it. So you know, I had a very, very rich man in my congregation. Um, very rich. I mean, he owned safari ranches and everything. Um, and he was a very close friend of mine. He took me out the one day we went fishing. And while we were there, God said to me, I want you to give him, uh, it, was, it was equivalent of about $200. And, you know, come on, it's so stupid, man. This guy has got so much money. What's $200 going to mean to him? But I learned radical obedience. So I put it in an envelope as though I was giving it to a person who de desperately needed it, wrote his name on, and uh, gave it to him. He came to me after he had opened the letter, weeping. He said, you know, all that has happened my whole life as a Christian is people have just sucked on me. And this morning I woke up and I said to the Lord, Lord, I, I want you to show that there are people that actually care about me, that aren't there just for what they can get. He said, you've just heard God, Jan, because I needed to know that I have been loved, not for what I've got, but for, my, for just being me. Hi, sweetie. Hello. How are you doing? Good. You know what you say to what what you say to a lady who's pregnant. You're not pregnant. I remember you. Don't worry. You you say you're looking swell. We trust you really are watched over by the Lord. Really, really bless you. There's nothing as beautiful as a child. Telling you, man, one of the best things that ever happened to me is that I've got four children, and uh, I'm going to get distracted. Okay, so, so we've got to learn to come into church on a Sunday, and listen. As she walked in, we should be listening. Yes, my brother. Yes, so what you're doing is you're asking God questions. 
So, so it's like you're having a conversation with the Lord now. So he's putting that example of the blue shoe. Right. So as you saw that, the first thing I, I, impacting while you're still praying for him? Yes. Well, well now, by now, it, it, it comes as I'm going. Literally, so as I say the one sentence, he gives me the next one. It, my, my mind can work that fast, and yours can too. Uh, so, but in the beginning, what I do is I, I used to write on a piece of paper, this is what I, I heard. Okay, so ask questions. So who's that for? When is it going to happen? Um, what do they have to do before it happens? And as I'm asking each question, the Lord is giving me the answers to that. That gives me the framework of what to say. Then I can stand up because now I've got it written down. I can stand up and say it to the person. I believe, um, you know, God's speaking to you about running shoes. That means you, you've got to kick back into your uh, training, your development as a, as a man of God. Uh, you, just because you got hurt, you can't stop running. Uh, you, you've got to recover. You've got to get strong again. That sort of thing. So as you're, as you're talking, you can hear God giving you the answers. But at first, just write it down. So, I mean, I'd love to do a little exercise with you guys right now because you'll see how faithful God is immediately that, well, let me show you how to do it, okay? So here we go. I'm going longer than I should again. So how do we know who we, we go to word for? You start off by asking this question. Who stands out to you in this room now? Which per, if, 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 if there's a person that stands out to you that, that has a need, that needs God to talk to them, who do you feel that person would be? So, so take, a, take a minute, look around. If you're in the front, you need to look back, otherwise you'll never see anybody. <laughs> so. well, as soon as you've got your person, don't double think it. That's, that's the point. Don't double think it. Just the moment you've got it, I, that's, I'm sticking there. Everybody okay? Who hasn't got somebody? Maybe, maybe you just think too hard. Don't, don't look for him. Okay, let's put it this way. If Jesus walked in the room, who do you think he'd walk over to? Which person today? Just, just look. And the way you pick it up is you have a, a sense of compassion for that person. There's a, there's a feeling. Not, not like you feel sorry for them. And it and can be somebody you know is going through a difficult time. It doesn't have to be uh, secretive. But you just have the sense of compassion. Got it? Got it? Got it? Got it? Okay. So you all got somebody. So now what you do is I want you to, 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 to close your eyes and I want you to just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you like to say to them that passes this test? It edifies, it exhorts, and it comforts. It edifies, it exhorts, it comforts. It, 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 it does them good. As soon as you've got it, open your eyes. Remember three things, sound, sight, sense. By the way, we receive these things by faith. It's not like, oh, Lord, please help me, help me, Lord, please. Not that. It's a, I know the moment I ask him, he's going to tell me. He says, open your mouth and I'll fill it in Romans chapter 10. You've got to trust God. He's one, he wants to show you what he wants to say to people. Okay. Most of you so far, eyes open. That's good. 
Who likes to be a guinea pig? Do you understand what a guinea pig is? I hope I'm not saying a swear word. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> who's who's going to go? You're going to go, my bad. Do you want to go first? Sure, why not? There's it. I like you. I knew you would. I knew you would. So who you who you're looking at and what do you feel? Who? Ted. <laughs> so what, what do you sense? Or what do you hear? Or what do you see? Right. Excellent. Excellent. Now, the, the, what you are hearing, is, you're saying it matter-of-factly because it's, a, it's probably the first time you're doing this. And, you know, let me give you some encouragement. What you do is you, you talk to him as though it's a clear word from God. Ted, you need to know that even though things do not look like they are going to work out possibly in the future regarding what you're doing, the Lord says, I'm going to take care of it. You keep pressing in because I've got other things that are on my heart for you. I've got things that are be beyond that. It's not just that. And so be encouraged. The Lord is not slowing down. So don't you slow down. Something like that. Good. Well done. Give him a hand, guys. Um, the guy stepped out. Who's next? You raise your hand, Melissa. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, I saw you raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So who you got? Um, well, Beth Ann, I, and I don't know, I do question. No, don't, 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 don't give me the long it's story. Just, just do it. <laughs> and it wasn't a visual, it wasn't a word, it's just a sense that everything will be okay. It was a pregnancy. Um, and to stay strong in marriage. That's so. So let's say it. That's very good. But let's say it in another way. So, number one, the Lord's got your back regarding your child, and uh, his his encouragement to you is that you press in, even at this difficult time. You press in on your marriage. You press in on your faith. You believe God that everything is going to go normally, because He's watching you. He cares for you. He loves your baby more than you love it. And so he's going to keep his hand on you. And uh, all is going to be well. Something like that. Okay. Please give her a hand, guys. <laughs> Encourage one another while it's called today. Right? Okay. Let's, let's find somebody on this side. Who's got a word? Go, my sister. What's your name again? Bunny.
Okay, now I'm going to help you, all right? Because, um, number one, how many of you didn't hear what she said, right? Nearly all of us. <laughs> no, no hassle, no hassle, no hassle. We, we want to assess you, so we want to see how you're doing. Um, I think I heard you say, the Lord knows how much you want a relationship. Is that right? That's where it started, right? And, and you need to focus your relationship with him. Really work on that. So, so what that can sound like is um, don't worry about that other relationship. Just keep being close to God. Am I right? So, but this is what I believe God's saying to you. I believe God's saying, as you focus on me, I'm going to bring you the very best. Right? It's not as though God's not going to give you. It's God is going to give you the very best. And um, I, I sense that what Bonnie's heart heard was that really drawing close to him and working for him is going to lead you to the right relationship. Actually, becoming discouraged, disgruntled, not that you are, but if you can become that, it will move you away from being set up by God. And so the Lord wants you to know, top priority, keep him in the center. And all these things will be added unto you, type business, all right? Give her a hand, guys, please. Thank you. Okay. So, so prophecy, number one a thing about prophecy, don't become a different person. You know, some people think you've got to change your voice, uh, change your look, and go, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to speak in King James English. You, you know what I mean? God, God, God's using your voice. You don't have to speak like a South African or an American or anything else. You just... Okay. So, so prophecy is critical. It's critical. And, and all you need to do, ask the question all the time. How is this... If I was saying this to me, how would it sound? If I was saying this to me, how would it sound? That's why practice the prophecy in your head before you say it. Practice the prophecy in your head before you say it. And let it pass the three questions. Did it edify? Did it exhort? Did it comfort? That way, you, you, you can, you know, even corrective prophecy, prophecy that corrects us, Graham Cook, uh, when he was with me years ago, we were working in Zimbabwe. He gave me such an excellent example of how to take a corrective prophecy and uh, make it a reality to the person without hurting them. Because we can all come to a person and go, you are splitting the church. I mean, we can do that. Graham came into a church where the elder was strongly opposed to the pastor. So... He made his prophecy redemptive. He knew what God was trying to say, just like you know what God was saying, Bonnie, right? You know what God is saying. But he wanted to make it, he knew his job was to make it redemptive. So he called the pastor up, he called the elder up, and he said to the elder, now I'm going to put this in your hand, and he gave him a, an item. He said, imagine that's a sword. And he says, I want you to put your back against the pastor's back. And every time the pastor turns, I want you to turn with him and protect his back. So at the end, the, the elder comes to him and says, I just want to tell you that I don't do what you were saying. 
He said, I know that. I'm not telling you what you're doing. I'm telling you what God wants you to do. Prophecy is getting you to do what God wants you to do. So I don't have to point out you're wrong. You know you're wrong. I can, I'm pointing out the way that you can be, become um, correct with God. You can walk in with God in this situation. So, you know, in the old days when I started out, people would just come into our church and go, uh, there, there are three people having an affair in this church. And, I mean, everybody's ducking because, you know, like, you know you, you're petrified of the prophets. I mean, it's like they're going to point your rum out. But the Bible never tells us to do that. That's Old Testament prophecy. New Testament prophecy is, is there to inspire us. It's to bring revelation to us. It's to move us forward. It's to help us overcome what the enemy's doing. It's to move us into a new place. So never do we stand up and go, uh, I, I just want to say, I know there's uh, two people in the room uh, that need to be corrected by God. One is stealing money from the, your, your, uh, your business. The other one has... Uh, you know, beating people up in the back of the alleys and, you know, something that hurts and exposes is not what we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is point them to that which God wants us to be. And that's how we prophesy into people. So Sunday morning, when you guys come in, practice, practice coming alongside a person and receiving the ability to, to speak prophetically into their lives. And keep it simple at first. Don't go, don't go for revelational stuff. I sense you're going to move to Japan next year and, you know, you have to give up your business. And Don't do that stuff. You, you need, if that's directional, write it down or tape it. Give it to the leadership. They will check it and they will deliver it. Okay. But it's edification, exhortation and comfort. You can do that on a Sunday morning. Um, you should even be praying for the church before you come in the meeting. There should be, you should be picking up what God wants to say to people uh, before the Sunday morning. Because prophecy is the means of edifying, exhorting, and comforting. So when people have gone through the mill, man, you know, God wants to speak to them. God wants to build them up. See, Bonnie, I feel for you, I, I, I've looked at you twice and I've saw, I, I've seen sails of a yacht twice. And, I, and, and the sails are filled with, with wind. And I hear the Lord saying, I'm, I'm filling your sails. I'm going to take you where you never thought you'd go. I'm going to use you in ways you never thought possible. Uh, I'm not slowing down with you, I'm speeding up with you. There are coming great days ahead. I'm going to, take, uh, I'm going to keep you moving. I'm going to keep you going. I will, by my spirit, support you in the, everything you put your hand to. And that, that is really important for you. You need to write that down because it's by that prophecy that you're going to fight a warfare. When the enemy says to you, you know what, it's all going to fall apart. It's not going to work. You, you buy it with a prophecy. You just speak it back. You proclaim it back to him. Say, God has said he's filling my, wind, my, my, my sheets uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, man. I'm going to keep going. I'm never going to slow down. God is always going to be behind me. Those are important things to hold on to. So, not only prophecy, but this whole thing of moving in the power of God. 
You all need to know that if, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, and as leaders, I encourage you, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because there is a power that God will give you that will make you able to extend the kingdom and to break demonic work over people's lives. There are people all around that have been deeply wounded, beaten up, affected. Church on Sunday morning. Hi, sis. How are you? Church on Sunday morning should be an affair where when people walk in, they are coming into a place where the power of God is ready to touch them, to heal their bodies. To, so, so you need to be sensitive to God at any given time. Because God will give you a word of knowledge of, of somebody. You get up, you just say, I, I, I just keep feeling a pain in my leg. I don't have the pain, but I feel like God's saying somebody's really struggling with a pain in their leg and he wants to touch your body tonight. I was at uh, Waterbury. Where am I right now? Cheshire. Cheshire, Cheshire. I really didn't know where I was for a second. Um, I don't know. Waterbury is quite far away, right? <laughs> so I get confused. Okay, so I was in Waterbury at a man called James Lilly's church uh, years ago. And uh, while in the meeting, I was busy preaching and I stopped and I said, there's a man here that's got problems with his legs. God wants to heal you right now. Uh, just receive the healing. And I carried on preaching. Later that evening when we were sitting in James's office, uh, there was a knock on the window. A guy said, uh, can you open the church? They've locked it. Um, I came on, on crutches. And God healed me, and so I forgot to take the crutches. I, I went home without my crutches, and I've got to return them to the hospital. So you, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it is hearing God and speaking that releases the power in the meeting. And so you, you might want to start practicing that amongst yourselves. But, folk, we need to go for some stuff that's, that's much bigger than just the average, um, you know, Sunday sermon. We need to see people touched and healed. And so just on the prophetic, I want, I want to release an impartation to you right now. If you would like to receive it, um, I'm going to give you release an impartation that you will be able to hear God and speak on behalf of God like you've never been able to before. I believe God's going to give you the power. I've told you how it worked. I showed you how it worked. Now I'm going to impart to you. Information, demonstration, impartation. Now, application, you're going to do. Okay? So why don't you just reach out right now if you want that. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release to each one reaching out now for a flow of your spirit that enables them, Lord, to move in prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. I pray that their tongues are touched by the power of God. I pray from this moment, Lord, that a download of divine power would flow into them and through them in Jesus' name. Receive it. Receive it. Thank God for it. You've got it. Don't look for a feeling. Just thank Him. He's put it on you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I also pray, Father, for just a quickening in the realm of, of uh, signs and wonders, that you would do some miraculous work through these people. Um, I pray for, for, it's Ted and Bonnie, right? Now, Father, I pray for them that as they deal with poor people, as they deal with people that have nothing, that, Father, there would be a, a flow of healing power, a deliverance power, Lord, that sets people free. I pray for Mike, Father. I pray that as he travels, 
that there is going to be an increase in the signs and wonders that accompany him when he goes, Lord, that he would be imparting to people himself um, in, a, in an amazing way. Father, up his impact on the demonic so that it can be pushed back. He can see signs of people being delivered and set free. In Jesus' name, I, sp I pray for the elders of this church. I pray, Lord, that they would have a new authority in the realm of um, dealing with the demonic, uh, dealing with the work of the devil, in Jesus' name. Right now, Lord, I pray into businesses, people who own their own businesses. I pray that, Lord, you would use them to impact their staff by, by seeing healing and breakthrough in their lives, um, their families coming back together. We, we, we pray, Lord, that words of, of restoration would be spoken through these leaders and we would see the changes in people's lives. Thank you. We are the channels of God that the works you did, we must do also. And greater works because you went to the Father. So thank you, Lord, for the power of the Spirit on us. Reveal to us more and more how we can be used in it. Give us the, the, the boldness, Lord, to move strongly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the process of finding out who you are is, is number one through the prophetic. Once you've found out who you are, what God's called you to, then there needs to be the second process, which is um, what I call positioning. Positioning means you, you get yourself into a place where you, you are um, able to grow more than you normally can. I'll give you an example of, of a dramatic example of how this works. You know, in, in um, Christmas, you guys have a little pot plant with a red flower in called a poinsettia, right? Now, now, in my country, uh, South Africa, my backyard had a poinsettia, but it was a tree bigger than my garage. The difference is the environment. You put a shark in a little tank, it stays a little shark. You put it in the sea, and it's going to become a massive shark. It's your environment that makes the difference. And so it's critical that we position ourselves next to people that are going to make us grow. If you're, not if you're positioned with people who whine and moan, who are negative, who do not move in faith, you will be limited in your growth. You have to find people who are breaking barriers. You have to find people that are pushing beyond where you're going. You've got to get to places where you can be trained and equipped. You've got to take every opportunity to make yourself stronger. You've got to, you've got to walk with people that have transformational power. Because if you just stay where you are, you'll, you will stay as you are. If, if you don't change something, you won't change. Let me say that again. If you don't change something, you won't change. If you don't change who you spend time with, if you won't change where you're tra training, if you won't change what you're listening to, you're going to stay small. You need to challenge yourself. The internet today is full of opportunities to hear people who've broken through and done great things. But more than anything else, as I said last night, get alongside people that are going to expand you. Thank God for your pastor. He has a heart to, to grow and expand and to do great things. He's not planning to sit around and just flop around for the rest of his life. He wants to move. Thank God. Because that is, that is a catalyst for you growing. Second thing that you need to work on is your preparation process. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
verse 20 following. It simply says, in a great house there are many vessels, some for noble use, some for ignoble use. Some are, are gold and silver, some are wood and, and clay. It's, then it says this, if a man will cleanse himself from the latter, he will be an instrument used by God. In other words, if we will change the, the, the earthly part of us, we would become uh, uh, spiritually focused. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, Paul speaking to the Corinthians, he says, I could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, earthly, clay, wood, because there's envy and there's strife amongst you. There's divisions and jealousy. These are signs that we haven't beaten earthly things. And as leaders, if we're going to make a difference, we've got to get rid of all types of, of fleshly behavior. Galatians 5.16 says, The flesh and the spirit are at enmity with one another. They hate each other. And the one we feed is the one that's going to win. And so if we do nothing to feed our spirits, ask yourself the question, what are you doing to make yourself stronger in God? I believe we're supposed to do three things uh, every day that make us really strong. Sorry, I'm just going to get this chair and bring it in. I'm talking about with our minds. The first thing we should be doing every day at the end of the day is a thing called reflection. Reflection. Reflection is playing the video of the day in our mind. Going through the day, looking for what I did well and thanking God for that opportunity and then playing through the day what I did wrong and repenting of it, dealing with it right there and then in our bedrooms before we go to bed at night. So the very first thing we do is we identify the areas we're weak at. If I did Father's House in this church, what I'd do is I would make you write a paper on what it is that stops you from becoming what God wants you to become. What is limiting you as a, as a man and woman of God? Why aren't you further by now? Why aren't you accomplishing the great thing that God has planned for you? Is it laziness? Is it bad company? What is it? And what are you going to do about fixing that? That's what, what I challenge you on. But I'm saying when you reflect, you're going to find areas of your life that are consistently failing right there. The way you speak, the way you maybe lose your temper, the maybe uh, the critical spirit you've got, whatever it is. And so it is our duty to identify where we're missing it and then to apply some form of, of, of behavior, which is meditation, to change it. I'll explain that just now. But you have to identify, you have to be accountable for who you are. You, gotta, you can't just ignore, go through a day, blow it, and go to bed not even confessing. The Bible says, if I confess my son, he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from the tendency to do that. I don't know, I don't know what happens in America, but I'm telling you, in my church, my churches in Africa, people struggle to live a life of confession. The Catholics could teach us something on that. 
where we, we acknowledge, we take responsibility for the way we behave. In the West, I'm sure it's the whole world, in the West I've noticed, we, we think we can blow it and just leave it. One person does, one, one, one brother who really bullies his wife says, listen, that's the way I am. No, that's not the way you are. That's the way you choose to be. You're a child of God. You're supposed to put off the old man, put on the new. And as leaders of this church, more than anything, you, you and I have got to press in in our leadership capacities to, to, to get away from the things that slow us down. Because if, you're, if you do not become spiritual, if you stay carnal, God can't use you and speak to you as he wants to. You limit your impact. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, the, the natural man, the carnal man, cannot receive the things of the Spirit because they are spiritually discerned. What does that mean? That means if I, if I get myself into a spiritual state, which is I think on spiritual things, I say spiritual things, I behave in a, a, a way of changing my, my behavior and attitude every single day. When I'm that sort of person, God can bring revelation to me and God can use me in outstanding ways. It's when I, I don't take note or don't take account of the things that are wrong in my life. And that's why it's really important to have an accountability group, to have some people that speak into your life and check you out. Because, you, you know, any of us can, can live badly. Any of us can live badly and nobody will know about it. We can hide all types of bad, bad behavior. But... But if you're wanting to prepare yourself to work for God in an outstanding way, you've got to get rid of the stuff that does not belong to you. Your speech especially. The way you speak. Sometimes just, the, just being negative. Just saying, you know, I don't think this is ever going to work. Instead of saying what God says. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. If God is for us, who can be against us? He always causes us to triumph. Exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine. We, we, we've got to learn to have the word in our, our, our speech. So that we are saying what God says about us. Because what we say determines who we are. Let me say that again. What we say determines who we are. Proverbs chapter 18, very clear. It says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. So if you and I speak death over ourselves, we speak death over our relationships, we speak death over who, what we look like. I've met so many women that cannot speak in a positive way about who they are. Because this world puts on such a lot of pressure today. If you don't look a certain way, I'm talking about Thailand now. You, you're going to have an operation, man. You know, you're going to cut some stuff off and you're going to put some stuff on. And it, it's, it's just they're going to make you look different because you, you cannot accept yourself. This, in the world today, you have got to look a certain look. Otherwise, you feel you're rubbish. It's massive pressure. 
We've, we've got to get to the place where we speak words of life over ourselves. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I, I love me. I don't look in the mirror and go, man, I love who I am. There is, there's, I have no competition in my brain. I'm not, I compare myself with nobody because I'm unique. And, and so, not just that, and, and I hope I'm not speaking prophetically. I, I, I want to say to you, you've got to speak over your future, over your children, over your partners, over your marriage, over your relationships, over your finances. You should have the word of God in your mouth regarding every one of those things. You, you see, if you don't have scriptures in your mouth now about finances, about what God wants to do for you financially, I can tell you now, you're living way below where God wants you to be. Because the word of God tells us, God wants us to have an abundance for every good work. Please somebody say amen. You're looking at me like, is this really in the Bible? <laughs> God wants us to have an abundance for every good work, guys. God wants you to be able to do what you have to do to help others like that. When God says $1,000, you can give it. man walked up to me the other night. He said, my wife and I believe in what you're doing. We're amazed at what you're doing. We can't do it, but we can give you some money to do it. And he handed me a check for $5,000. Now, man, that was lucky. <laughs> no, that was not lucky. How did, I, how did I get that money? I speak. Every day I get up and I declare finances are coming to me. God is going to give me an abundance to do what I have to do. Because God knows I'm building a center that's going to help the poor, that, that's going to give people jobs. God knows what I'm doing. I'm not building anything for myself. I'm building it for him. So in the last six months, I've got about, out of nothing, I don't get an income, right? In the last six months, I've got given over $50,000. And it's not stopped. Say amen, right, come. But more is coming. And I'm not trying to put a pressure on you. That's not what I'm, I'm going to confess with you. I want somebody to agree with me. Because if two or three agree is touching anything, it'll be done. So my wife's not next to me. I want you to agree with me that we're going to get another rush of finances in the next few weeks, right? And I'll agree with you. That where you financially are seeing money just drain away, that it's going to stop in Jesus' name. That you're going to start to see God protecting your, your goods. That you're not going to get surprises. According to Malachi 3.10, that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Somebody say amen. See, church, become radical, man. Grab what God has got for you. I don't know if you remember that old song, K Sarah Sarah. Whatever will be, will be. Ridiculous. Jesus didn't die so you and I as leaders could live below the bread line, always trying to catch up, always, always trying to get out of problems. 
God plans us to have an abundant life. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come, said Jesus, that you might have life abundantly. You, you as a group of people need to jack up your faith more than it is now. You need to prepare yourself to do great works. You need to believe God. Not just, just come and say, well, we, we know what we have to do in church. You need to be a force to be reckoned with. So when you walk into any place, darkness has to flee. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. And so you've got to prepare yourself to be like that. That's where contemplation comes in, the next one. First was reflection, second is contemplation. Contemplation is dreaming tomorrow. Do you know most of us lose what we've got because we have no dream of tomorrow? If you can't see it, you can't have it. What do you see about tomorrow? What does your business look like tomorrow? What does your business look like next year? What does your ministry look like next year? The same old, same old? Because exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. So it's what we can imagine. God encourages us to dream. Most Christians don't, don't, don't take the risk. We just live day to day. Whatever comes, comes. Not in this church. God is calling you, listen to me, God is calling you higher. God is calling you to make the difference. God is calling you to be a model to other churches. God wants to take you into a realm of supernatural activity where you'll, you'll see things happening around you. People changed in ways that only you could have uh, uh, imagined. That's why it's so important to contemplate. Before you come to church on Sunday, you need to see yourself in the meeting. You need to see who you're going to minister to. You need to see God touching them when you walk up to them. You need to see God using your mouth to bless them with the scriptures. If you don't contemplate, you will never prepare yourself. If you, don't, you see, if, if I dreamed myself to be a, an international speaker, and I've never traveled internationally, and I've never spoken in public, I have to create a pre preparation process to be who God called me to be. So God's going to use you really strongly in prophecy. Because there's an attack against your mind regarding prophecy. But God wants to use you really powerfully. I can tell you that for nothing. That you'll be one of the clearest voices in this church. But if you can see it, if you can dream it, you'll prepare yourself to do it. So you'll start to practice. You'll read books on it. You'll start to ask questions. My son used to have a, a, a poster on his wall. If, if you want to perform like a champion, you have to practice like one. I was lined up for the Olympics in 1972. They stopped our country from going there. I didn't get there because I was lucky. 
I, I got there because I worked like a slave. If you, were trying, if, if you wanted to find me, I was on a field with a javelin and a discus. That's it. I, was just, I just practiced all the time. I used to get the fat, fattest young boy in the school, in our high school. And I put a, a, a rubber band around my stomach and around his back. And I would run and he would just lie back while I'm trying to run. So my legs and my back had to, de be, had to develop to the point where I could pull and, um, you know, I had more strength than the average human being. I had to hold my javelin like this and have guys lie back with my javelin and I would pull them off their feet, onto their feet, just by bringing my javelin through. So I developed the muscles to the point where I could, I could throw much further than anybody in my class. I trained like crazy. When I became a man of God, I took on the same discipline. When I became a Christian, I got into the Bible, I studied it and studied it and studied I can't just preach all this stuff because, you know, I've, I've memorized my Bible. I made my Bible my life. I speak what the Word says. I declare it every day. I've trained myself to be outstanding. And I haven't stopped. A pastor caught me about 12 years ago. He said, how do you know so much about so much? Well, but if, you, if you've worked as hard as I've worked, you'll be like that too. See, most people just think God is going to do it for them. I'm saying to you as leaders, you want to make a difference in this town. You want to make a difference in the marriages and the homes and the kids that are being beaten up and, and who's, who's losing their life. Do you know there are more suicides in America than homicides? Little kids can't take it anymore. People are giving up. This is not a game. Being leaders is not a game. God expects us to guide his people. God expects us to, to, to show he's alive. We are the models of a God that lives. And so all the way, all the dreams you've had, all the desires you've had, prepare yourself to get them. Go for it. As, as your friend, I call on you. These are dark days. Isaiah says, arise, shine, your light has come. Even though gross darkness is on the earth, your light has come. This is your day. If you will go for it, if you would, if you would say, look, I don't, I don't care about everybody else. I'm talking about me and my family. We are going to make, you go for God, sweetie. You go for God. You're going to cross the paths with one of the greatest men, men of God you can imagine. Go for God. While you're doing God's business, God's doing yours. I pray the Holy Spirit is touching something in you tonight. I pray you, you will take responsibility as a church to go to another level. You've done well so far. You're a respected church. People love coming here and we, we appreciate the fact that you've got such a good leader and wife. But I feel, I feel the Lord today say to me, you challenge them because I want to use them. I really want to use them.
that when you walk into the lives of young kids, that they will meet much more than just a person who's going to help them with their education. They're going to meet a person that carries the power of God. I close with this story. I, I was on a plane coming from uh, Sarasota, Bradenton to Chicago many years ago. And sitting next to me was a mother, and next to her was her daughter, about 22, 3 years old, young girl. And um, as we were taxing on the runway, I could see this little girl's stomach was, was like vibrating. And I said to her, Mom, is she okay? She said she's petrified of flying. That's, that's tough. I'm, I mean, I, I can't do anything about that. You know, I just observed. And she's got dark glasses on this youngster. And so as we take off on the runway, we, we take off. And the plane starts getting thrown around. I've, I've traveled thousands and thousands of miles. I've never seen anything like this. The plane got chucked from left to right like this. I'm talking about a large airliner. I'm not talking about a little Cessna. And this young lady then broke and started to cry uncontrollably. And I said to her mother, can I pray for her? She said, sure. So I said to the, the young girl, I said, can I pray for you, sweetie? She said, I prayed three times already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so well, let me just pray for you. And I took her hand, and I prayed a prayer of authority. And the power of God hit her, and she fell back in her chair. She was out. Over. Now the plane is still bouncing all over the place. And the Lord says to me, tell it to stop. So I go, stop. He says, no, I want you to say it aloud. <laughs> Can you imagine the guts it takes? Because <laughs> this, this is real idiot stuff. You know what I mean? So here I said, I mean, you've got enough nuts on the airlines already. You don't need another one. So I go, stop in Jesus' name. Plane goes, Shoo. before God, I'm not telling you a lie. Just Shoo. everybody around me goes, how did you do that? Well, glad you asked. <laughs> One thing about me I, I can do is speak. I'm not, I'm not scared to tell you what I feel, boy. So right there and then I witnessed to a whole crowd of people about the, the power of Jesus and the love of, he has for us. And now he wants to stabilize our lives like that. I mean, it's good sermon material. You can see I'm going down a lane here. Anyway, so the young girl comes to, and she said, I'm free. I'm free. I, don't, I, I have no fear anymore. I said, your duty is to go home and to do the same for the kids you teach. She went back. She committed her life to Christ. She went back to her school, and she found every kid that had a fear problem, and she prayed them out of it one by one. Her mother wrote to me for months after we, we first met. And she kept saying she keeps having this impact wherever she goes to, to school. She has some child that comes to her fearful. And she just takes their hand. And the same anointing, right, is on her. And people walk through this door. This could be their last hope. When, people, when I walked into church, it was my last hope. My first time I went to church, 
I was lined up for a divorce, and church was my only hope. And when I walked through the door, the love I got and the discipleship I got kept me float for all these years. I am who I am today because somebody like you was waiting for me to care for me, to train me, to help me face life. You don't hold a position. You have a task. You've got an assignment. Sunday morning, any time the, the, the folk walk through, you need to be ready. You can't be standing in corners, having discussions, eat, drinking your coffee. You, you are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. You're the one who's going to hear God. And as you hear God talk about these folk or show you a picture while you're praying for them, if you have a sense, you just need to pray. You see that the lady is weepy. You take a hold of their hands and you say, you've come to the right place. God is here. I'd like to pray for you this morning. I'd like to pray that God just gives you a wonderful day, that you hear what you need to hear. Do you understand what I'm saying? That you'll never again be predictable. That man, when you, when you start, demons flee. Amen. So, Father, I pray, help them with the preparation process. Help them to start, Lord, not only contemplating and reflecting, but meditating on your word. Putting your word in their heart, Lord. Making it a part of their everyday thinking. Because your word says, Lord, if we med meditate in the law of the Lord day and night, whatever we do will prosper. So, cause this to be a prosperous church, Lord. Cause them to move in an unusual power and anointing. Cause it to be a place of love where people find hope and comfort and recovery. I bless them, each one, in the precious name of Jesus, trusting that you will not leave them, Lord, but keep working deep within them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you.